you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team, every day. This is a daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends, here with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, we got a nice guest for the listeners today and tomorrow, but how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I, but you know, it's weird for me not being the highlight of this show. It's usually me that people come to see. And, uh, this time it's Josiah Gray. So, you know, it's all right. It's all right. Sharing the spotlight is something the Dodgers have learned to do and we can do it as well. So absolutely. It's fine. Yeah. So we have Josiah Gray with us today. It'll be a two part, two parters. He was a great interview. He was uh, insightful and gave us some insights into the alternate side, the, the bubble, in Texas and kind of his mindset this year and, and with the Dodgers. So we'll get into all of that. But before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play a podcast Locked On Dodgers. All right, Jeff, a little one bit of news, not necessarily Dodger related, but it's something that maybe could affect how another team spends money, which could make it Dodger related. And that's the Mets. Uh, losing Robinson Cano for the 2021 season. He failed his second PED test and he will not play next year and he will not get paid next year, freeing up 24 million, either split up between the Mariners and Mets. Not really sure how the deal was was worked out, but no one will have to pay him next year. And it could make the Mets, who already have a new owner and were looking to be one of the other only teams to spend, uh, to spend a little bit more than they thought. Yeah, it's a little bit annoying that the, the Mets get the benefit of their guy using steroids. Uh, it's something that I, obviously if it was a Dodger player getting suspended, I'd be glad that the Dodgers didn't have to pay him. And, but I don't know, it's not even the money. It's the, you know, the luxury tax payroll flexibility, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it's kind of annoying that they have this guy who probably in a perfect world for them, he wouldn't even be under contract with them because he's way overpaid. And now magically poof, he's not overpaid anymore for this year still has two more years at 24 million a year. So, uh, but for 2021, anyway, they are off that hook. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a big enough thing for a future CBA to include some kind of language that maybe, I mean, the, the guy is still cheating under your team umbrella, but either way, yeah, the Mets, they don't really have, I mean, the Dodgers are obviously on a different tier than the Mets. There's not really JT Ramuto, who we mentioned yesterday is, is probably going to be a Mets target, not necessarily a Dodgers target, even though, the, the way we mentioned yesterday, but I don't think there's going to be too many guys that they're competing for maybe a bullpen arm or two, but other than that, it shouldn't affect the Dodgers too much. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a, a kind of a interesting way to get money off the books. Yeah. But the other part that we wanted to talk about real quick came from a listener question combined with, or probably in part due to the NBA offseason, which started not too long ago because their new season starts next month. And there's been crazy trades already happening. And some of these trades and some of these teams 
are stockpiling assets in the term in the in the form of draft picks and MLB you are not allowed to trade draft picks in the MLB draft there's uh what what can they trade the picks they can trade now are, are slots yeah just the the competitive balance picks that yeah so they, they have very very limited draft pick trading yeah so not a lot of draft pick trading and got Brandon Johnson, a loyal listener, thinking and, and got us thinking if MLB should start allowing teams to trade draft picks and how that may change the landscape a little bit and maybe make offseason slash trading a little more exciting than it has been before. Yeah, and it is weird that that it's not allowed, but you know, baseball definitely has a different setup than basketball does with regards to, you know, basketball has a strict salary cap. Uh, they've got weird weird contract rules like you have guys in basketball getting traded and if you just look at the quality of the players being traded it doesn't make any sense at all until you look at oh this guy has an expiring contract which somehow benefits the team blah 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 you know and so in a way i like the fact that baseball trades are generally you know there is money consideration but it's actual money considerations and not as much salary cap considerations and so I like that when you make a trade, it's usually mostly about baseball with a little bit about money. And uh, the the reason that originally teams weren't allowed in, in baseball to trade their draft picks is basically Major League Baseball is worried that the poor teams would just, you know, if you had the first overall pick and, and these days MLB has slots on how much each draft pick can be paid and all that. But it used to be that, that, it, it was totally up in the air. And so you would have a first round draft pick and he would negotiate and say, you know, you pay me 8 million bucks or I'm going back to, I'm going to college or whatever it is. And uh, you know, the, the fear was that teams, teams without money would see, Oh, we have the first pick. There's no way we're going to be able to sign the best player. And so they would trade that pick or, you know, what we've seen instead is, a lot of times they don't take the best player available. They take the best player they think they can sign. And uh, so I understand why they had it in place originally, but with the slotting system and with the fact that every team is making money in years that aren't COVID affected like this, I think uh, it it doesn't make much sense to me that they can't trade their draft picks because uh, it definitely would add a lot of excitement to the offseason, give them the chance to to make some of these trades. There hasn't really been any inside track to maybe, or any rumblings of this happening, but with the next CBA coming up, as we're going to keep mentioning, is it's possible that it could get out there or it could be something that's put on the table. And it would be interesting. We've seen in NBA and NFL a little bit different ways of, of using the draft picks. So basically selling the draft picks. And that could, that's probably one thing that could happen in MLB, especially with a team like the Dodgers. But, you know, but imagine a team like the Dodgers using, let's just say there's a, a hot shot, whatever. We'll use catcher, even though they have a lot of catchers. There's a hot shot catcher that should go top five in the next in the next round. And the Dodgers have an influx of outfielders that are all prospects. And, you know, maybe they trade, you know, they could potentially trade an outfielder that has worked his way up the up the ranks in, in order to get the, the top pick, in order to draft that hot shot catcher and kind of fill a void that they need. And for the Dodgers, always drafting in the back part of the draft, anytime their guys 
become pros- or top prospects or great prospects, it's a benefit because, you know, they're drafting the back half of the draft. So, you know, a guy that they take with the number 31 pick, that like a, a guy like Cody Hosey or, or later in the draft, a guy that shoots up draft boards ends up becoming a prospect. Now they can turn around and flip him for a guy that's not even a sure thing, but a guy that might be may feel a role better or maybe a little bit more of a sure thing, and, and the Dodgers can kind of get around it. So in terms of the Dodgers way, it's obviously anything that helps – teams get better and take advantage of teams not being as smart the Dodgers are going to be on an advantage there and this would just be another way for the Dodgers to have some kind of advantage either using it or using it to get draft picks or you know maybe selling off draft picks in order to get other players that are going to help the roster and it would give us more stuff to talk about during the offseason and really that's the most important thing right yeah exactly I mean that that's kind of what sparked this is that the NBA offseason it's only been it was announced last week and there's already been uh, a bunch of trades and a bunch of rumor trades and the, their draft is tonight on Wednesday night and then there's free agency starting so it's something to keep the hype going you know winter meetings are supposed to be what that's for every year in MLB but as we've seen before sometimes they're jam-packed with trades and deals and sometimes they're not and especially the way the game's been going the last few years with teams either crime poor or kind of pricing out veteran players or some teams more tanking or or not worried about winning so much it would be another way to kind of get that excitement there for an offseason yep all right that will do it for this part of the show the next part of the show will be us interviewing josiah gray so enjoy and keep it locked on dodgers all right, we are here with Dodgers prospect Josiah Gray. Josiah, how's it going? Good, it's good. Nice to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, congrats to you on this season, you know, making the, the taxi squad and, and being part of the what it was in Texas and everything that was going. Just just how was all that? Yeah, yeah, te- that, was being, that was fun, you know, to get to experience some of that. Uh, obviously, didn't play, but, you know, just to be around that kind of atmosphere, you know, you, you naturally learn from that and you naturally like want to be a part of that for years and years to come. So, you know, I'm glad that they, they invited me out there and I got to work and, you know, kind of just stay ready uh, for that month we were out there in Texas. What's it been like with like the, the big league players, uh, you know, do they kind of take you under their wing or that, you know, as far, you know, we, there's been a video I saw recently of, Kershaw helping Julio with some stuff like four or five years ago when Julio was first coming up and it's kind of made the rounds now that Julio closed out the world series. Is that something that you kind of experienced with getting a little bit of tutelage from, from the big leaguers? Uh, honestly, not much because, you know, whether it be summer camp or even spring training or, or the postseason, uh, that all that stuff normally happens in the dugout. So I've never shared the dugout much with, with like the starting guys, uh, just because of like the nature of, you know, what my role has been this year with them. So um, besides like little stuff and, you know, I might ask a guy a question here and there. Uh, I haven't learned much, but, you know, I'm looking forward to obviously learning from Walker and Clayton and Julio, uh, whoever you name it about, just just how they do it. And, you know, things I can pick up um, being in the big leagues and, you know, having success up there. And obviously 2020 was a weird year, no minor leagues, 60 game season, everything else that went about it. But what, what was the communication like between the front office and the Dodgers and you and kind of what your goals were for this season and, and what did they tell you uh, they were looking for out of you from, from whatever this season ended up being? Yeah. So basically once, uh, regular spring training ended, I kind of just stayed out in Arizona, 
and, and stayed ready uh, with a couple of buddies out there. And then once we got an indication that baseball was going to restart, uh, they gave me a call and said, hey, we want you to head to summer camp. Uh, obviously, I'm not in the 40-man roster or anything like that, but it, but it was sort of like a just, we're going to put you at the alternate site with all those guys, but obviously you'll start at summer camp. So you'll, you'll have the three weeks with the big league guys and basically just uh, show what you can do and show that, you know, you stayed ready during quarantine and, and things like that. So uh, that was my role then. And then basically once we pivoted to the alternate side, it was just like, all right, now we want you to uh, get your, I think I made about 10, 10 starts over there or whatever it was, but we want you to get those starts over there and kind of just build up innings just in case. Uh, obviously they need you up there or, you know, so you're not lagging behind next year and next year can be as close to a normal year as, uh, as can be. So that was my uh, indication and my sort of goal at the alternate site. And then basically when it pivoted to the postseason, it kind of reverted back to what it was during summer camp or, or, or whatever you have it, just stay ready. Uh, you know, you're a call away. We want you to contribute to, contribute with the guys there uh, but kind of just stay ready and enjoy the su success um, kind of from afar but also know you're a part of it and, and embrace that part of it as well yeah one, one quick follow-up on that is you know what was your personal goal for this year kind of after we figured out what it was going to be uh, honestly just just continue to to develop and continue to get hitters out at the higher levels because you know last year uh, being as great of a year as it was I only got two months in double A. So, uh, you know, not as much experience as I would love facing advanced hitters. So whether it be spring training, alternate side or, or the postseason, kind of like our LIBPs, uh, just continue to get those guys out, be confident, uh, obviously continue to work on my arsenal and, and just know that whenever, you know, my name is called, I'll be ready because I, I know I can get those hitters out. And I know my arsenal has continued to improve to, you know, just get these guys off balance and, and kind of just work with what I have out there on the mound. Yeah, the alternate site was an interesting thing because, like, in a regular season, we as fans, we're, you know, following along. We're saying, okay, oh, Josiah Gray, he, he moved up from low A to high A to double A, you know, and getting excited about things. This year it would have been, okay, he's, you know, whether you started in Tulsa or Oklahoma City, you know, we kind of would have been watching and following and seeing what success you were having and kind of have an idea how close you were, but this year we didn't really have any of that. And so, you know, what was that like for you on your end? You know, it was basically like you and Mitch White were the two guys who were constantly being thrown around. Okay. If somebody, if a pitcher goes down, if somebody get test positive, whatever it is, those are the two guys we might see, you know, Mitch White got a, a tiny little cup of coffee and, and you never did this year. Um, but, you know, for you at that alternate site, what's your mindset as you're, as you're maybe a phone call away, like you said. Yeah, just, just continuing to get him work. Uh, you know, Mitch, Tony, uh, Victor, uh, even D-May um, at the start of the season, you know, uh, we all were in certain positions to where uh, we would get time at the alternate site. And then just depending on what would happen, you know, guys would go up and down. So uh, Mitch being there for a good amount of the year, Victor being there a couple weeks, uh, Tony up and down for a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it was good to see uh, those guys go up and have success. And so it, it was just an interesting uh, experience over there, just not knowing how to gauge that success. 
kind of just going out there every fifth or sixth day, uh, facing the same hitters, uh, but knowing that whatever you did there was more developmental and would put you in a better place for next year and not really gauging uh, whether you struck a guy out or um, he got a base hit off you. So, you know, just kind of trying to rewire your brain to say, okay, this is successful because I'm getting my fastball uh, to, you know, have a little bit more vertical break or my curveball to have, have a little bit more horizontal break. Like those sorts of things you can find success in. It wasn't so much as, all right, I got him out uh, for the third time in a row. You know, it's really tough to see that because, you know, in a re regular game when you're facing a different team, you know, you your brain kind of turns on and you're like, all right, you know what, I'm not going to worry about the break there. I'm going to just worry about getting these guys out and putting my team in a position to win. Yeah, it's got to be a, an interesting thing. Um, so you've mentioned before with the Dodgers and, and how they've kind of gave you a direction since you came over. This is your second year with the team. Not talking about your past, but more so with the, once you got to the Dodgers, you know, what's kind of been the best thing about kind of their development process? I think it's just been uh, how collaborative everything is. Because I know in being in three levels last year, uh, low A to double A, you know, every league is so different. You know, the Midwest League obviously is tailored to pitchers. Uh, high A is tailored to hitters. And then double A, you know, depending on what ballpark you're in, it, it's a mix of uh, anything can happen. But, uh, you know, at every level, you know, there was a, full understanding of what I did as a pitcher. So, you know, good fastball, uh, good command, good breaking ball stuff. And, you know, every pitching coach and every manager uh, that I, you know, met was full on board with everything and they, they knew everything. So, you know, it just made it a little bit easier to get to those levels and, and kind of just settle in and, and know that your pitching coach and your manager already know what has happened in the past uh, throughout, a, throughout the other levels you were in. So, that makes it easier for guys to go up to whatever le level they may be in and, and just pitch their game and kind of just go out there and have success with no, no wonder or no worry that their coaches don't even know them. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, when, when you talk about, you know, your, your pitch mix and everything, you know, the, the difference between a relief pitcher and a starting pitcher is usually that third pitch. And, you know, your, your fastball and your curveball are your, your, your top pitches. What do you think is that, the key to you being an effective big league pitcher for, for the next, you know, 15, 20 years? Uh, I think it's just consistency and continuing to grow confidence with the off-speed stuff uh, as is, you know, one of the goals that I had going into spring training. Uh, so continue to grow confidence in those things and throwing them to the best hitters and, you know, getting the, the actions and the swings and, all that stuff, the things that I desire and the things that I want. So, uh, you know, with my arsenal and with improving in this organization, I think, you know, I'm on the right path with all of my pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup to where I can look back at that alternate site work and, you know, our postseason work to where I know all my stuff's, you know, heading in the right direction. And now next year I'll, I'll be able to show it off at whatever level I'm in. And it'll be against uh, another team as well. So I'll, I'll have my competitive edge back, my gauge on that 100%. So now I'm really excited at the work we did this year with all that stuff and excited to see where it is next year. Even with this year being a little different, I mean, you're just still 
two years from being drafted, do you did you you know there's always going to be confidence, but did you think you'd kind of be where you're at right now in that short of time? <laughs> Good question. Honestly, no. Uh, you know, coming out of the draft, uh, being a guy that has only fully pitched uh, for that year, 2018, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, once I signed the professional contract, obviously I knew I was going to head to rookie ball and, you know, it was going to be baseball as usual, but then uh, 2019 being with the Dodgers and starting spring training and whatnot, uh, I didn't really know that I would ascend this, this fast. I knew I had the stuff and I knew I had the confidence, but to see it all play out as it did last year and this year with alternate side and whatever, it really helped me understand that, you might not have it in your your eyes or your view to that you don't know how fast it will happen, but you know it'll happen. Everyone's watching and everyone's invested. So I'm really excited that this has all come to fruition in, in the last two and a half years because I know that the sky is the limit. And I'll continue to improve and continue to go out there with full confidence and, and get guys out. I want to talk a little bit about the way you came to be a Dodger. Uh, you know, we're coming up on the two year anniversary of, of the trade. And, you know, from a Dodger fan standpoint, it, it, this was a big deal. Uh, but at the time, it didn't really have anything to do with Josiah Gray. It was, you know, the Dodgers just traded Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig and, you know, so, some fan favorites and, and got back a couple prospects who, you know, we didn't know anything about you or Jeter at that time. Um, mm. and, and then since then, we, we've seen it. But I, I want to ask you, what was your mindset? You know, the, your, the Reds were the team that drafted you. You only played, what, just half a season of rookie ball with them. Um, but what was your mindset when you found out you were being traded to the Dodgers and did the fact that you were being traded for a couple fan favorites kind of affect your mindset at all? Yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, the headliner on that trade was uh, Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp and uh, Alex Wood. But uh, no, in being traded like that, it, it kind of set in that this is a business at the end of the day, whether you're in rookie ball or you're 20 year uh, big league veteran. So, trying to understand that after being drafted uh, six months before definitely was hard, but that was kind of the realization I had at the end of the day. So knowing that the Reds were getting back important pieces that they, they figured would, would help them win. And the Dodgers were getting back a couple young guys that they knew they could develop and, and help them win down the road um, was something that was important to me and, and was told to me. So and knowing that and, and having full confidence in the Dodgers organization back when I was traded two years ago, it made me really anxious, but really excited to join the organization and go to spring training with them because I know what they do for young pitchers like myself. And after seeing that, uh, you know, and, be, and being in the organ organization for two years, I can say that it, it's worked out for me in being in this organization because I've, I've become a naturally better pitcher and I know I can have success at the big league level seeing what they, this organization has done for me uh, throughout the last two years. And that's a perfect segue into kind of what I had next is, you know, seeing these guys that you've already mentioned, Victor and Tony and even May, kind of your contemporaries in age and, and, and professional experience and seeing them get to perform on the biggest stage and obviously the development you've had, you know, how does that, make you feel as kind of the guy that's part of the next wave and, and, you know, how the Dodgers integrate the younger players into their team. I think, uh, you know, in seeing uh, Victor, D-May, Tony, uh, 
just go out there and have success gives any young player uh, confidence that they can go up there and do it. You know, these are guys that uh, we've, we've played with for years. So just seeing them have that success in the World Series and throughout the whole postseason really makes me excited because, as you said, you know, I'm going to be a part of that next wave. And I want to just go out there and, you know, those are guys I'm going to lean on to uh, next year or the year after, whenever it may be, because, you know, they, they were in my shoes. And, you know, I, I want to feel how they felt in certain situations and understand what they did to work through certain hitters or certain parts of ball, ball games. So, uh, yeah, like those guys are really important to any young guy in the system because, you know, that's that can be a lot of young guys going up there and having some success. Ah, success um, and, you know, piggybacking off of the veteran guys and, and the Walker Buellers out there. All right, thanks to Josiah Gray for the interview. That it was part one. We'll come back tomorrow and have the second part of the interview. But, Jeff, you got any parting shots before we head out? Just one last thing. While we were talking to Josiah, word came out that the Dodgers are having some layoffs uh, uh, throughout their organization. And so we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, we'll probably have more information by tomorrow anyway. And so it's probably for the best that we didn't get a chance to to talk about it uh, today when we don't have much information, but we're aware of it and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. The, the, the state of baseball has kind of been in that flux for a lot of teams. So we'll see what details we get in and what information we get. Uh, so make sure to come back tomorrow for that. And for the rest of the Josiah Gray interview, thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe. We are trying to line up interviews throughout the off season. We should have another one with another Dodgers prospect next week and hopefully some other Dodgers related people throughout the off season. So thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to tell your friends, tell your family, make sure to post about us, tweet about us, uh, you know, Put us on your IG story and we can share it. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. Um, other ways to get a hold of us are via phone, voicemail, text at 323-863-LOCK or email LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. D I say D O D O D G E R S. The team that's all heart, all heart, and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.